You're listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Gray. Join me as we cover topics about nutrition, health, and lifestyle so you can have ancestral health in a modern world. Welcome to episode 20 of the Ancestral Elements Podcast. Forgotten Concepts in Nutrition, The Way of Shen. All right, before we get going, I just wanted to launch into a few announcements right off at the top here. I have produced a liver and colostrum supplement that is up at my website or on Etsy. You can find it at ancestralelements.com under the nutrition tab and just navigate to supplements. I also am launching a new product that I personally have fully formulated and wildcrafted this product. It is a tincture that will be out later this month. I'm not going to give too much away because I'm going to do a whole podcast on it. Um, But just know that it is finally finished and I've spent quite a bit of time working on it. So I think it'll be a pretty cool addition and I think it'll help a lot of people. So that is coming. So look for that in the coming weeks. Okay. I think that's about it, and let's get on to this episode. This week, I wanted to explore topics around this concept of Shen in traditional Chinese medicine, or in a Western paradigm, we would classify it as spirit, and I want to talk about how it interacts with a stress response, and specifically, I want to talk about what it does nutritionally and what it does in regards to the microbiome and just overall physiology of the body. All right, so this concept of Shen in traditional Chinese medicine, it's one of what is called three treasures. So we've heard of qi most likely. That's pretty common language nowadays, talking about concepts of qi. But there's jing and shen that go along with it. Um, In a kind of biblical Western perspective, it's kind of mind, body, spirit in a way. Shen would be like the spirit. It would be your mood. It would be your emotional triggers and drivers on a day-to-day or moment-to-moment basis. It's an interesting one in regards to nutrition because spirit or mood or emotions has such a direct link with not only the food that you're taking in, but how it's assimilating through the body, how the microbiome is utilizing that nutrition, and then what overall stress, whether it's internal or external to your body, does to that nutrition and does to your mood or your spirit. I think I've given this analogy before in this podcast, but it bears repeating here. So if you look at the three treasures in kind of a physical form, think of it as a candle burning. So Jing would be like the wax of the candle. Qi would be the flame of the candle. And then the heat given off by that flame would be Shen. And we all know what it feels like to just be kind of down and out, run down, whether you're tired physically or mentally, right? You just don't have that spark of life anymore. You're depleted. There comes points in people's lives where you need to be rejuvenated a little bit. You need to take a step back. You need to reevaluate. You need to go within a little bit to get 
some zest of life back. Because stress is stress no matter what, whether it's physical or mental, it's going to end up being physical and mental. And that will start to affect the chemical makeup of your actual body and of your actual nutrition and how food is actually broken down and processed. I like to think of it as physical plus mental equals chemical. It doesn't really matter what comes first, whether it's physical or mental or mental or physical. It's going to end up being both. And you guys definitely know what I'm talking about. When you break an arm, it's amazing how just fatigued, not only physically, but mentally, your body gets. It's a lot for the body to process, remodeling bone. It takes a lot of energy. And the more energy your body needs for physical requirements, the less it has to give to kind of mental faculties. Now, that's a gross generalization, and I'm painting with very broad brush strokes, but you get the idea. Your mood isn't the best. Your spirit isn't the best when you're in physical discomfort. Same goes for chronic pain, you know, migraines, something like that, chronic low back pain. Think about how many millions of people have chronic low back pain. It's the number one reason why people go into the doctor. <laughs> number one is low back pain. That starts to affect your spirit and your mood. Whether you want it to or not, it's going to have an effect. So this way of Shen, this being mindful of your mood, emotions, and spirit becomes a very, very crucial part of nutrition and overall health and well-being. And we're living in pretty strange times when it comes to a typical stress response. Because a lot of what we're dealing with are very, very chronic, low-grade stress responses that are constantly bombarding the body. And a lot of it is through our dominant sense of vision. So right now, I am sitting in front of my laptop staring at a screen that's emitting light, artificial light, to be more specific. And your vision, via the optic nerve, runs from your eyes to the back of your skull, which is your occipital lobe, and then all of that information that's being processed visually dumps into the neck, runs down the spine to your adrenals. Your adrenals sit right on top of your kidneys, and it's a two-way street. You get a stress response, it travels up the spine to the brain, and that's called an ACTH response, or an adrenal corticoid thyroid response. So you get this kind of thyroid cortisol adrenaline dump. And if you haven't listened to the Building the Blood episode, that was the last episode I did, it would be good if you went back and listened to that, because I broke down nutritionally how the microbiome processes metabolites in the blood. And this is a metabolite hormonal breakdown when you're getting a chronic ACTH response because it's changing the chemicals. It's changing the chemistry of the blood. It's changing the hormonal chemistry in your body. And anytime you get a hormonal influx of whether it's corticoid steroids that are being produced, it also could be a dopamine release, but it's, that's all kind of stemming from essential amino acids and an amino acid breakdown and metabol into metabolites. So specifically with dopamine, if you listen to episode 19, 
you'll hear me talk about the breakdown of phenylalanine to tyrosine, which ends up as L-DOPA in the body, which ends up as the neurotransmitter dopamine. So it's this kind of cascade effect of amino acids to blood metabolites. And then those hit the different types of organs and tissues and create a chemical response in the body. And all of that is dependent on internal and external environments and how they're released and how they're broken down. So stress is a crucial factor in that breakdown and uptake of those end metabolites that are utilized by the body. And the microbiota is also directly associated with that metabolite breakdown. As I talked about again in uh, the previous episode, bacteria plays a very important role in the breakdown to neurotransmitters. So H. pylori is associated with an increased risk in Parkinson's disease. And that's by affecting levels of L-DOPA in the body or dopamine. So again, nutritionally, what you have in the gut is not only controlling your immune system, it's con- it can control your stress response and therefore mitigation in stressful situations. So if the microbiome is balanced and you have an appropriate level of bacteria, viruses, fungi, protists, archaea, then the mitigation of stress is going to therefore be a lot easier than it would be for somebody with a very wrecked GI tract. It's an important thing to remember that it's a two-way street. It's not just about external stress, fatiguing the body, and therefore you need more nutrients. It's also about keeping proper nutrients in the body so you don't get as stressed when stressful situations arise in your life. That's why we want to have constant good nutrition so our bodies can deal and mitigate the stress response. Another really interesting connection with all of this is the central nervous system and its role with the microbiome and regulation of neurotransmitters and steroids and other end metabolites that run through the body and to the brain. So GABA is a really interesting thing to look at because that is derived from lactobacillus bacteria, which is probably some of the most common species of bacteria in the gut. Lactobacillus is basically anything fermented. So when you look at like sauerkraut or kimchi or even pickles, all that is a lactoferment. So lactobacillus becomes that bacteria that starts that fermentation process. Now, gabapentin is the commercial drug that arises from that bacteria. GABA itself is gamma immunobutyric acid. It is kind of the main neurotransmitter when it comes to dealing with the central nervous system and inhibiting things like depression and anxiety. A lot of times it will be prescribed for nerve pain, and that's because it acts on the central nervous system, on the nerves and spine, and it basically reduces the transmission response of the central nervous system, which, I mean, really, that's why you see it prescribed for pain and things like neuropathy in the legs and feet. It's very, very common, um, and it can have some pretty profound side effects if taken for a long period of time at a high dosage. You definitely need to taper when it comes to that because then sometimes your pain will come back with severe vengeance if you don't because your body isn't used to deriving lactobacillus bacteria into GABA because it has an artificial form under 
pharmaceutical name of gabapentin. And I'm not suggesting that eating a bunch of fermented food is going to increase the lactobacillus bacteria in the microbiome to a point of you producing more GABA. But if your body has a demand to produce more GABA, then it has the ability to do so. Because if your microbiome was a huge wreck and you didn't have proper amounts of lactobacillus in there, then you couldn't derive GABA as easily. Do you see what I'm getting at? So if you're in chronic pain, start with nutrition. Start with things you can control. I mean, this is the mechanism, one of the main mechanisms for the central nervous system to release neurotransmitter. And there's studies on this that have been conducted, and I will post them in the show notes if you want to take a look at them. It's pretty interesting when you're looking at the microbiome and chronic pain and how it is not only dealt with, but transmitted through the central nervous system. Okay, so back to this idea of Shen and controlling Shen and learning how to deal with stress, whether it's physical or mental. I mean, and a lot of it in this day and age comes down to environment. If you're in an ultra-built environment, an urban environment, you're going to have constant low-grade stress. And you're going to have to develop tools and techniques to mitigate those because otherwise it will start affecting nutrients in your body like we had just discussed previously. It undoubtedly will. That's what your body does. And so anytime you can reduce stress, whether it's unwinding at the end of a long day with maybe a hot bath or a glass of whiskey, whatever, right? Any way you can just reduce stress in the body, it's going to start to metabolically change things. You know the old adage, rest and digest? It's very true. If you are chronically stressed, your body isn't going to break down things efficiently. It's not going to end up to those end metabolites, to those neurotransmitters that are running through the central nervous system. If you're rested, then your body has the ability to process those things. These are complex chemical interactions that are going on constantly in your body every time you're eating and taking in nutrients. Your body needs energy to do those things. And if it's spending time trying to repair tissue or trying to rapidly convert essentially amino acids to neurotransmitters in the gut, it doesn't have a lot of energy for anything else. And you'll start to suffer energetically, chemically, metabolically. This is how becoming metabolically unhealthy starts. It's because you're not managing stress effectively. Manage your stress effectively and the metabolism will start to perform more optimally. We didn't have these chronic little stressors all of the time throughout human history. We had stressors. And don't get me wrong, you need stressors. You need stress in your life. That's how things get ramped up. That's how neurotransmitters and the central nervous system stays tuned. It stays functioning that way. You don't want to be just in a constant flight or fight response because that's going to be detrimental to your health and you'll suffer greatly because of that. But you also don't want to be in this weird suspended state of no stress and no action because stress puts action into the body into the nervous system, into, into the chemical gateways that the body regulates. And if you didn't have stress, those actions wouldn't be happening efficiently. 
So you need stress. You need physical stress. You need mental stress. You need it all. But you don't want it to get way out of hand. And if you start getting run down in any of those areas, that's when you know you need to back off. And you can feel it. You guys know what I'm talking about. This isn't anything new that we haven't heard time and time again. But I want to make it clear that there are defined metabolic pathways that come out of these stress responses. And it's easy to forget because a lot of times when we're stressed, either we're overeating, a lot of the times the wrong types of food, or we're not eating at all. It typically fall into one camp or the other. Typically you want to shovel anything you can in your body or you're not going to put anything in. Personally, I don't like to eat if I'm really stressed. I don't find the need for food. I would rather not eat. I'm not hungry. I don't have an appetite. And typically that is a result of an enhanced immune response. Because when you fast, when you don't eat, the immune system increases. Your white blood cell count increases because your body doesn't need to work on digesting and metabolizing nutrients. That being said, that happens at about a 24-hour to 48-hour window. And after that, things start to kind of subside a bit. Um, but again, that idea of letting your digestion rest and then resting while you're digesting is very, very important to not only your overall immunity, but to how nutrients break down into the blood. And if you have an overactive central nervous system or peripheral nervous system, then the nutrient breakdown and digestion will be compromised. If you've ever been really stressed out, you'll notice that your stomach gets a little queasy. Sometimes you can even vomit. Sometimes you have diarrhea. That's your body wanting to get rid of as much as it possibly can so it doesn't have to focus on digestion and breaking food down because that takes a lot of energy. Your body literally heats up as it digests food. It's called the thermogenic effect of food. It's a lot of energy. And so if you're dealing with nutrient breakdown issues, like any type of digestion issue, Crohn's disease, ulcers, any type of small, large intestine, stomach issue, or even pancreas or liver and gallbladder issues, a lot of that is going to be stemming from some type of disruption, not only in the microbiome, but it will also create a stress response in the body. Your body will increase things like inflammation, so markers for inflammation such as C-reactive protein will start to rise. You'll get different compounds, different neurotransmitters that are being produced, all as a result of improper and unbalanced nutrient breakdown. And sometimes resting all of that digestion and giving things a bit of a break becomes a very crucial first step in rebalancing the microbiome and mitigating some stress. Again, it could be physical stress, mental stress, or chemical stress. Those are kind of your three main stressors. I mean, obviously, if it's physical stress, and let's say you're working out extremely hard, and you're damaging muscle cells, and you're getting something like myoglobin in your blood, if you're peeing out what looks like Coca-Cola, that's muscle death. You've literally, your muscles have started to basically 
get into the bloodstream because you're working out way too hard and you can die from that. If it's mental stress, then you'll definitely start to feel it physically. A lot of times you'll feel it in your shoulders or neck or low back. Again, that has to do with that adrenal corticoid thyroid kind of hypothalamus pituitary response in your body. Those kind of endocrine producing glands and organs that are pumping out hormones. You'll start to change the body physiologically if you're under immense mental stress. And that will lead to chemical stress. But that also happens under physical stress. So all of these are linked together is what I'm saying. And they need to all be treated accordingly and sometimes all at once. I mean, I can tell you from over a decade of doing body work that people that are in a chronic stress response where the sympathetic nervous system is so overactive that they can't drop down and relax the nervous system into a parasympathetic state struggle a lot more in general with everything than somebody that has taught their body and taught their mind how to let go of stressors. That's a learned behavior and one that we're not that good at in the West anymore because productivity has taken precedent over stress mitigation. And a lot of that has to do with technology that we're using day in and day out. You know, think about the emails and now Zoom calls we have to be on and the texts we have to respond to and the endless scrolling we do on social media. All of that is low-grade stress to the body. And if you don't spend some time away from that, then it'll start to compound. And it may not happen right away. It may take 20, 30, 40 years to really compound but it will change your body mentally, physically, and chemically. There's no doubt about that. And so the more you can get yourself away from that, back into a natural environment, your body is start to is going to start to revert and slough off all of that just daily grind that we all have to do to some level. There's an adage that I love to repeat to myself. If I'm working with somebody who just can't relax. It's clear the spine, clear the mind. A lot of times, if you can get the musculature cleared out around the spine, meaning if you can get good blood flow back through there and you can get the muscles kind of supple and unwound through the paraspinals or the erectors or even in the shoulders, then you'll notice that people can finally just drop down into a parasympathetic nervous system where the tissue is, there's so much going on through the central nervous system, which is your spine and your brain, that you physically, things get tight, muscularly, fascially, even skeletally. Things get bound up because there's so much information running back and forth from the brain down the spine to the body that there isn't time for the body to relax. And so if you can clear that stuff out, then it'll finally give the mind a chance to just settle down all that chatter. And that's really what good body work is all about. It's about bringing somebody back into a parasympathetic nervous system state where their body can start to heal again. Because your body doesn't heal in an 
overwhelmed stress state. Our biology does not function well in a prolonged stress state. It functions well for a very short time in that way. It's a very valuable tool in that aspect if you're just using it for a short-term solution. But if you're in a chronic low-grade stressed state, that's when things start to pile up. It affects everything. It affects all the organs. It affects your digestion. It affects your nutrient breakdown. It affects your microbiome. It affects your brain. All of those are linked and very, very finely tuned. It doesn't take a whole lot to throw things out of balance. It's very important that you pay attention to your stress level. And this idea of cultivating Shen or cultivating spirit becomes a very crucial part of that. I mean, and you can do that whatever way you would like, whether it's through a religious practice, whether it's through meditating, whether it's through community and laughing with your friends, whatever whatever makes you feel good, whatever lights you up inside, whatever just takes the daily grind necessities and puts them to the back of the mind will cultivate Shen. Because just like the candle that's burning, if that flame goes out, if your chi is diminished, then your Shen will be diminished. Because if you have a tiny flame, that heat that's given off by the flame, it's not much. So if something isn't physically working well, then your spirit is going to be dimmed. Does that make sense? So if you have health issues, you're not going to feel the best version of yourself. You're going to feel like crap. But if you feel great, if you have energy, if you've slept well, if you've spent time relaxing and taking care of your body, that's when you feel the best. There's a reason you feel the best on vacations. What do you do on vacations? You usually sit outside or go hiking or maybe lay on a beach. You're getting sunlight. You're relaxed. You're allowing your parasympathetic nervous system to come back online and you start feeling good again. Don't forget that there is a link between the microbiome and your mitochondria. So the power plants of the cell need energy coming from food and nutrient breakdown. And if you're not getting good nutrient breakdown, then you're going to have poor cellular energy, which leads to even worse nutrient breakdown. Because then you're starving on a cellular level, and your body's not going to have the cellular energy to even get the food in and get those metabolites in. Are you with me on that? You're not going to be able to utilize those end metabolites that are now trying to get into the body to remodel and repair tissues. It can also lead to bad replication. It can lead to bad cleanup. It can lead to many, many, many different health issues. And I've done a whole episode on mitochondria, so if you haven't listened to that and you want to know more, go back, take a listen. I won't dive into super huge detail here, but ultimately when you're talking about energy and you're talking about feeling optimal and that little just kind of spark that you get in your life, that's good cellular energy. The cells have relaxed enough. The body and nervous system has relaxed enough for things to be firing on all cylinders. And that takes good nutrition. It takes good sleep. It takes commitment to relaxing your nervous system. In traditional Chinese medicine, one of the things you'll find when it comes to cultivating Shen is the practice of Qigong. And Qigong, if you don't know what that is, it is similar to something 
like Tai Chi, where it's just all about breath. You control the breathing, you breathe in deep, you exhale slowly, you move your body in very fluid motions. And what that does is it starts to oxygenate the blood and you start to slow your heart rate down and you start to move your body. So you start circulating blood through the tissue, moving oxygen, consciously thinking about your breath and your movements. And that starts to slow everything down. It starts to just subtly shift the nervous system from this heightened state to relaxed state. And you start to drop into your body and you start to connect back in with how you're actually feeling. Because that's the thing with a heightened nervous system, with a heightened sympathetic nervous system, you lose feeling. You can literally become numb. And you see, I've seen this with thousands of individuals. People literally can't feel. You could almost take a drill bit and drill through their body. And they would hardly feel it. I mean, obviously that's an exaggeration, but you do lose feeling as tissue becomes impacted and blood flow and nutrient flow becomes restricted through the tissues. The nervous system shuts down slightly because you only have so much energy and the nervous system has to shut down. It doesn't want to keep trying to ramp an area up that is so impacted that things can't move through. So it'll just do a workaround, you know, but it places stressors then on other areas of the body. You know, it can manifest in different ways. What comes to mind right off the top of my head would be something like a frozen shoulder. If you've ever had a shoulder lock up completely, that has to do with fascial impingement and lack of blood flow through the muscular and through the fascial layers where it becomes so impinged that you literally can't move that tissue anymore. Ligaments, tendons, they don't slide well through the underlying tissue and it binds everything up. But a lot of times you'll lose feeling in that area because the nervous system is just kind of dropped off. It can't, it, why would it supply energy to something that you can't really move anymore. I mean, initially, you're going to be in excruciating pain. But if you live for with that for 20 years or so, like I've seen in many, many people, believe me, it uh, starts to subtly shift and numb that nervous system response in that particular area. And people's relationship to pain is really interesting because pain is a signal. And that's all it is. But if you ignore it, if you take something like gabapentin or you're on chronic opioids, Vicodin, Percocet, whatever it is, then you block that neuro signal. You block the, uh, the body's markers to identify that there's an issue. And a lot of times it takes a lot longer to heal an area if you're blocking pain receptors than it would if you weren't. Now, I'm not saying that they aren't valuable occasionally, but a long-term use not only will cause damages to liver and kidneys, but it also mitigates the healing response because you need pain for that healing response. That's how the body knows it needs to send 
more nutrients, more blood flow, more metabolites to that area for repair. But if you block that signaling, you block that chemical pathway, then it takes a hell of a lot longer. And I don't think people think about that a whole lot. I mean, maybe they do, and they just decide to the pain is worse. But sometimes the fear of pain is just as bad as the pain itself. And that's not good. And I've seen that a lot too in the past decade or so. But unless you're really tuning into your body, unless you're relaxing your body, you're not going to really know what you're feeling or even if you're feeling because you're not going to allow yourself the time to feel. Are you with me? You're not going to be able to even tap in to your body well enough to know what's going on. It's almost like you become a foreigner in your own body, which is pretty terrifying in my eyes. You become like a passenger in your body, and then you wonder why things go wrong. You wonder why things aren't optimally functioning. And worse yet, you'll have zero idea on how to correct it. See, that's the thing with cultivating Shen or cultivating spirit. You'll know when something isn't right because you'll be tuned in and heightened to a very subtle experience. And you'll know if something isn't physically right in the body. You'll know when Qi is down. You'll know when Shen is down, right? But if you don't allow the time and the space to truly tap into your body, to tap into your nervous system, to feel, then you're not going to have the background or the foundation to even know what that feels like. Because you're going to spend the majority of your life just running from one thing to the next, maybe popping Tylenol along the way so you can get rid of that pain. But eventually, it's going to catch up with you. You're not going to be able to do that forever. So whether you're doing it through meditation or prayer or you name it, this idea of feeling what's going on in your body and tapping into this subtle energy that's driving things become crucial practice for longevity and health. And it 100% impacts nutrition and nutrition impacts it. This is a reciprocal relationship going on here. If you have really, really bad nutrition, you're not going to be able to tap into any of that because there's going to be so much stuff going on internally that you're not going to be able to get through all that other stuff to get to spirit, to get to Shen, to cultivate it because you're too bogged down and that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, right? If you break a leg, you're going to want to focus on healing that leg. You're probably not going to want to do a bunch of deep soul searching work if you're trying to heal a leg, right? Repair the stuff that needs to be repaired and then get to the subtleties. Are you with me? Take chronic depression, for example. If I had chronic depression, the first thing I would do is get a blood metabolite test and see what was going on with nutrient breakdown in my body because guaranteed things are going to be severely compromised and out of balance. And then you can start to work on it through food and through things like community and environment. That's what I would do. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm a nutritionist. And obviously, I'm going to be a little bit biased towards nutrition work. But as we've explored, the microbiome has a profound effect on the brain via the gut-brain access. It's not just about the immune system. That's an important piece, but it also affects neurotransmitters in the brain. So man, if it was me, nutrition's fairly easy to control, and that's a great place to start in my mind. I mean, man, if I'm feeling down in the dumps, some of my favorite things to do 
are just hanging out with people, whether it's sharing a meal or, you know, sitting around a fire, maybe playing some guitar or whatever it is, you know, that's some fun times, right? That builds my spirit personally. That cultivates my Shen. And I think most people have a desire for that, especially if you haven't had it in a while. And a lot of us haven't had that in a while, considering this whole global pandemic and all. So this idea of community and good nutrition and laughter becomes vital to cultivate spirit. You know, I mean, I guess you could do kind of the monk or nun route, but man, there's other ways to cultivate spirit. Spirit isn't just about connecting with things bigger than yourself. It's about connecting with everything, in my mind anyway. And so, I don't know, I guess you could sit you know, cross-legged and meditate for 10 hours a day and eat vegetarian food. I guess that's one way to do it. But there's other ways to do it as well. Biologically, we've been in small 20 to 30 person groups that we knew intimately, that we depended on, that we counted on, that we shared everything with. Intimacy is kind of at the forefront of spirit. I mean, think about connection. Think about sex. That'll build spirit, right? And not just kind of one night stand, stranger sex. That's not going to cultivate much spirit. But if you're truly in love with somebody and connecting intimately with that person, that builds spirit. I mean, that's literally where life comes from. You're literally passing on a part of you to somebody else. I mean, if that's not spirit, I don't know what is, really. I mean, talk about the antithesis of spirit. I mean, and you see physical changes. Oxytocin is a great example of that type of connection with somebody where it relaxes the nervous system. Again, you're training your nervous system to relax and let go of daily stressors that inevitably will pop up. Oxytocin is fantastic. You get that through connection with animals too. If you have a dog or a cat and they like to cuddle up, that's oxytocin. You know, people need each other. You don't do this thing alone. You don't do this thing isolated. Not in a healthy way anyway. You know, you can will your way through just about anything if you have to, but you don't have to. Oh, and oxytocin? Yeah, that has a microbiota link to it as well. Vitamin C actually helps produce oxytocin. It's a precursor of oxytocin in the brain. That's why if you've ever heard of oxytocin increasing your immune system, that's why, because it starts a cascade of neurochemicals that build immunity. Pretty crazy, right? That connection with somebody or other mammals, for that matter, produces oxytocin that affects immunity in your overall microbiome. Nutrition should be at the center. It should be the root that binds all this stuff together. Again, optimal nutrition means optimal spirit or shen cultivation. All right. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ancestral Elements podcast. I will talk to you guys this next week. Stay well, stay healthy. Thank you for listening to the Ancestral Elements podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave me a rating and review. This will help people find the podcast so we can grow the audience. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to talk to me personally, go to ancestralelements.com slash community to get access to the forum. We go through each episode every week and talk about these concepts and ideas in greater detail. And you can connect with other listeners. 